welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show. I'm Jackie Simmons. I am the host of the show. And I am super excited that you are here. We are going into a world called Goya. Goya is a very interesting place. There's an effect that happens around Goya. And to help us understand this is my friend Bruce Holgren. Just imagine being able to get people up off of their asses and how that could save your assets, which is a fun topic for me. So I want to know how this all came about and to explain it and to help us all is going to be Bruce. So Bruce, please wave your magic wand and turn on your camera and join me in the studio. Poof. Good night, mate. Good day. All right, now you gotta explain that. Where are you calling in from, Bruce? Uh, good, it's Monday morning here. So good morning from sunny Geelong, Victoria, Australia. Wow, it's Monday morning. No, I don't want Sunday to be over, but I get it. You, yep. you had your Sunday already. Cool. Correct. <laughs> Bruce, I am super, super excited to be with you and to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So early Monday morning, What's the best thing that's happened to you so far today? I woke up. Well, there you go. Best thing. It's as long as I do that and I do my one sit up per day, which is getting out of bed, I'm good to go. <laughs> I love that. Now, for somebody who specializes in helping people get off their asses, that's funny. Yep. One step at a time. <laughs> one sit up a day. There yep. we go. <laughs> So, Bruce, when it comes to saving your assets, how did these things get connected for you? I mean, take us on the journey into the world, according to Bruce. Uh, well, I guess this journey all started um, when I was 17. I, I was going to suicide on May the 22nd, 1982. Um, so I, that, that's how clear the date was. And the only, the only thing that stopped me was... I couldn't do that to my parents. I'm the youngest of four. And um, it was just one of those things. My parents didn't deserve that. So I, I didn't go ahead with it. Um, the underlying current for all of that was I always knew I was going to do something different. I knew I've, I know I've always been different. Um, and then at that moment, I kind of went on a journey to go, right, I need to make a difference on the planet. I need to make a difference in the world. So no one else feels like this. And I was lucky enough to be um, playing professional sport for eight years. So I channeled all my energy into sport because if you're sitting around home and there's nothing else to do, what do you do? You might as well train. So that led to a professional athletic career. Um, and then while at, I was coming to the end of that and then I started coaching and it was like, okay, so all these lessons that I learned only when I got to the pros why didn't I learn this when I was 12, 13, 14, or even younger? And so I started thinking about how can I make that happen? And, and, you know, technology finally caught up with the ideas and I decided to develop an app. So um, yeah, that's pretty much how it started. And that, that was five years ago. And so five years of work was what's all the stuff I wish I'd developed, I'd learned, I'd known. Um, and I started off as a sporting app. And then as I was developing, I, I showed a lot of people, hey, this is what we're building. And they said, well, why can't we have one of these for 
for schools? And then why can't we do a version of this for business? And what about men's health groups? And what about this? And I'm like, you're right, let's do it. So here we are. <laughs> so here we are. Okay, so we're going to deep dive in a minute into technology because that's, you know, I'm, I'm one of those that I heard, I hear the word a lot, but I don't know what an app does that a website doesn't. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll play a little bit there. But, and yep. people can put questions into the chat. Because mm -hmm. if you've been playing with this for five years, you, you might have a clue that you can help some of us noodle this out with. Hope so. I love that line. Sitting around with nothing to do, so might as well train. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's not the mindset of most people. It's I'm sitting around with nothing to do. I might as well play games, watch movies, eat junk food, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know too many people who their brain automatically goes to. If I'm sitting around with nothing to do, might as well train. Yeah. So where did this come from? I guess it's part of not being normal. Um, <laughs> Let's hear it. For it those was, of us not normal. It, it, was, it was interesting because now on reflection, I've never been the person to engage in mindless conversations um, never had the, was never the popular kid at school. And the, the one sanctuary I had was bouncing a ball and shooting hoops. And I don't know what it was. And I still don't know what it is today, but it's the only sport on the planet where you can play a whole game in your head with a ball and a rim, you know, everything else you typically need a partner and that sort of stuff. But, but at basketball, you can put yourself in any situation that then transgresses across into life situations to go, how do I handle this? What would I do here? How would I do that? And, you know, as a eight, nine, 10, 12 teenager, younger person, you don't get all those lessons. It's just like, I'd rather do this than go and have a party with friends or because I, I never got that. So I, I guess the simple answer was if I sit in front of the TV for too long, I, don't, I still don't get the concept of binge, binge watching. I, yeah. It's a foreign concept. So I can sit and watch a movie, but like, don't ask me to sit and watch Lord of the Rings because it's three hours and it's like, no, you know, I, I need to go and see that in, in two chunks because I'm just like, no, like I could be doing something else. So, you know, when I was, especially when I was growing up, I, I also grew up in a rural area. So like, you know, my friend wasn't next door or, or it was like, you had to walk a couple of miles to go and hang out with a friend and all you'd end up doing at his place was shooting hoops anyway. So <laughs> Yeah, it was just it was just one of those weird things of that was a sanctuary and I can either get better or I can sit and do nothing. And it was like I didn't have an intention of going to the pros. It just happened because I trained so much. Got it. You got good enough to get noticed. Yeah. And, oh. and you hear stories about, you, you know, do the fundamentals well and you should be able to use both hands. And I would take that to heart and I'm like, I'm going to be the best at that. Ah, there you go. All right. Mm. So what did you learn when you got to the pros that you wish you had known when you were younger? What's the first thing, first lesson that you went, why'd they wait so long to tell me? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, the level that you have to operate at is exponential to what you're used to operating at. And, and that's, that's the biggest thing, like the, the speed at which you need to do things, the speed at, at which you need to think, 
and operate and just your level of training. Like you don't turn up, if you've got a 10 a.m. training session, you don't turn up at 9.55. You turn up at 9.30, you get ready, you warm up, and then at 10 a.m. you're ready to go. You finish at noon and then my common thing was, well, at five past 12, I'm out, I'm going home. And all the guys got on the court and started doing personal stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, well, we've got to do this and this and this and this. And I'm like, okay, so allow an extra hour at the end of every training session to do stuff on me that I found out I wasn't good enough during the session to improve on that. Had no idea. Oh, Oh, now that was really key. All right. Yeah. During the session, you would, you, if you were aware enough or you had people around helping you point it out, which by the way, if you're going to point out things to people, do it gently. Um, But, you know, I mean, so you became aware that there were things that you could do better. And so you, and by example, because that's what they were doing, they were setting aside the time to work on the things that they could improve on for themselves. Not many of us get that lesson. Yeah, and I, I think now that I've broken it down even more, it's the incremental learning. So I turned up as a 20-year-old in the pros and you're playing against someone who's 28 and you get upset with yourself because the 28-year-old beat you in some way and you go, I need to be better than that. You don't give yourself permission to fail and go, well, he's been doing this for eight more years than me or five more years and this is what he does. So the first lesson I teach kids now when I'm training is give yourself permission to fail and no one dies if you fail. Like this isn't surgery. There's only two places where you need to win surgery and war because lives are at stake outside of that. eh, Like who cares who wins the championship? Who cares who wins this? Are you a better human being for the, for the result of what you've just done? And can you forward those lessons onto the next generation? So you don't have to wait to that next, you know, iteration of time before this person learns it. All right. So um, that's really interesting. Okay. So failing, giving yourself permission to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard a lot of those, you know, fail faster, you know, fail your way to success kinds of slogans, but they miss something that you just said really clearly, which is give yourself permission. The world on a personal, um, the word will come back to me, on a personal performance metric, Mm -hmm. the world doesn't give us permission to fail. We are judged on our personal performance from the moment we are starting to roll over or stand up and somebody says, oh, goody, you did it all by yourself. Yeah, so we're trained into this mindset. Yeah, but the the silly thing is on that mindset that we all get taught, the world isn't judging us. So when, and this is what I do. So I do a lot of personal private coaching on the basketball court and it's life coaching, but it's through a basketball court. Now, the first lesson I teach people is if you're in a one point game and you've been given the last shot and you miss, the people that loved you before will still love you at the end. That's just the result of an event. You've had the chance to perform at this thing and you've had 39 minutes and 55 seconds out of a 40-minute game to take care of business and you as a group have let it get down to the last five seconds. Now, if you as a group 
is not good enough to finish that job. Well, that's okay. That's why there's a scoreboard and a time clock. You were better today. Well done. I didn't die as a result of missing it. And I'm not a lesser person. But what we think is all these people watching in the whole world is judging us because we're in the game and they're not. Oh, you should have made that shot. It's like, who says? I tried. I did the best that I could at the time and it just wasn't good enough at the time. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to break that back down and I'm going to say, and coming up through school, yep, the, the top student, the first chair in the orchestra, the, there's a lot of reward system grades. There's a lot of reward system for personal performance. So even most employers are looking for personal performance metrics when they think about promoting someone. Yep. What you're talking about is taking and saying all of that doesn't exist when you're on a basketball court. It doesn't exist in this arena where you're looking at only paying attention to how well did you help your team? How well did you make the planet a better place? That was one of the things that I heard you say. And it's yeah, like, it, this is such a great shift in how people might want to start to look at their life. Mm -hmm. So if you walk into your place of employment and, and you've been asked to do a specific job, mm -hmm. now, if you're not a nice person when you're doing that job, doesn't matter how good you are, you're not good for the company. But if you come in there and you go, hey, team, I know what my job is and I'm going to do the best that I can do today. And if you need help, I've got your back. And if I need your help, I'm going to ask you for it. Let's all do this together. But I know what my role is. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability today. Now put that hat on as parent, athlete, coach, do what you know you can do. And it's what you know at that time. Now, if I'd known, you know, the old head on young shoulders, if I'd known all this when I was playing, Unbelievable, but I'm not. So now it's my job to go, how can I teach someone to learn those lessons? So I go into I go into my job and I've got this role and it's let's say it's to land a big client. And I do everything right. And at the last minute or for whatever reason is, we don't land the client. No one died. I've done the best that I could. We've turned up and we've done the best that we can do as a group. Okay, what did we learn and how do we go next time because the l and the loss is what have we learned ah there you go i've never heard that expression the l in the loss is what did we learn cool yep. all right so all of this started translating into how do i get this information into people younger mm -hmm. so lots of different delivery systems but you're right the technology did catch up yep. and you decided to go with an app uh, say a little more about what that actually entailed for you? So the overriding, overarching thing is I want to be able to coach and influence millions without ever having met them. And ah. give them the tool that I can help. So that's, that's the overriding thing that I wanted to develop. And every time I say it, there's not a lot here, but, I, but it stands on its end. <laughs> so... It, it's, that's the thing. So everything that we built, so I'm not a programming genius. Let's get that straight up. I'm Steve Jobs, Richard Branson, 
have the idea, get people that are smarter than me to do what they do ah. and build the vision. So I'm, I'm not a programmer. Like I'm not a programmer's butt, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't even know where to start. But even then in the design phase, when I sat down with the programmers in the very first meeting, they were asking me all these questions about, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? And I simply threw the questions back at them. This is what I asked them. I asked them two things. Did you play sport as a child? And the answer was yes. It's like, what do you wish you had as an athlete, as a tool in your pocket? And now that you're a parent and a coach, what do you wish you had that you could influence you as a kid? So when I want these tools put in place, answer those two questions first, and then we'll talk about it. Because it's real. It's real life. Got and it. so every, everything that we did was that simplistic. And then like, we always asked the question, what would Apple do? What's the end experience that we want people to have and how do we break it down? So idiot proof is the wrong word, but it's that simple that everyone goes, oh, I can do that. So you, you, everyone says they're technophobes or, you know, they hate, you learn to walk, you learn to drive. <clears throat> You can learn to push a button in a sequence to measure well-being, to set goals, to do this. So really interesting because that process that you just walked us through was like, holy crap, the elephant in the room was somebody trying to develop a website or trying to develop, in this case, an app or anything where they're working with developers is usually a communication gap. Correct. Usually a communication gap. You didn't have a communication gap because you asked them to design it with what they would have wanted, knowing that there are some universal desires rather than you telling them. Yep. And there's one thing on top of that layer as well was you guys develop apps for a living. Mm. I want you to tell me how to suck eggs. So if you've developed an app that we want to, let's say, put a goal setting program in place and you've built one for someone else that's like world-class, I want to know about it. I don't want to build this one when you know this one's available and you've built it. Yeah. So guys, tell me how to suck eggs. Say, I know you want to do this, but we've already built this. What do you think? And they were like, oh, how different is this? Well, yeah, because you weren't trying to reinvent the wheel. You were working with other people who had already built wheels. Correct. A lot of us have struggled with that, or at least that's my experience. I have struggled with that. The people who have built websites. Now, the one thing that they could not do is they could not tell me what to say. Mm -hmm. So when you got to the point of what the actual content was going to be, not the construct, but the content, what was mm -hmm. that process like? It was... How do I make the message simple yet intriguing to want people to book a demo or to find out more? Now, the reason I've gone that way or that route is our software is unlike anything you've ever seen on the planet and you can't explain it. <laughs> it's one of those, you, you, it, it's not like this. And you can say you've got a goal setting program or you've got a, a task setting or a calendar yeah, but that's not the point. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a world first piece of software that if you have any size group of people that you manage or mentor, 
whether it's in a school situation, business, sport, that you want to find out what the well-being score of your every single member of your team is at any time of the day, you can do that in two clicks of a mouse or two clicks on your, your um, phone. You can't do that. But in order for us to show you that sequence and then how we build things below it to support it, we need to see it. Because so, if I try and put all of that on the website, people are going to go, ah, too hard. Yeah, okay, so got that. Now, what's really interesting is that they can only see what the members of their sports team, employee base, or students are willing mm -hmm. to input. Correct. And it's, it's, about, it's about relationship. And there's two things in, in the suicide prevention Mm -hmm. I went back to, to that day when I was 17 and I was like, what were the two things or the triggers that made me get into this state? And there was two things missing in my world. Did I belong somewhere and did someone care? And if you're missing one of those two things, you've got some issues and you don't belong and someone doesn't care. What's the point? And so when I did a deep dive back into that emotion and then brought it back, it's like, well, how do we get a coach that's never done this sort of stuff before to sit down with their team or their teacher and go, hey, we're in this together. You belong here and I care. So when you do your good morning wellbeing survey, which is six questions with us, I'm not checking up on you. I'm checking in with you. And if there's something wrong, you don't even need to tell me. You can just write a little comment so you don't have that uncomfortable thing of, this happened last night, my dog died. I feel sad. I did this, I did that. This happened. I just want you to know about it. So if I have a crappy day, you've got my back and I'm, I know that you know. And I've shared it, which is half the battle. Well, absolutely. Breaking the silence is the mm -hmm. battle as far as I'm concerned because everything is possible. Change is possible once there is that communication. Absolutely. And also the, the, the act of just checking in. So if, if I'm mentoring you and we agree to go, hey, every weekday, so you take the weekends off, every weekday for the next four weeks, are you okay to answer these six questions between 7.30 and 9 a.m. every morning? It's like, yeah, let's do this together. So if you don't even check in a couple of days in a row, I know that's an alarm bell. I don't even need you to tell me that there's something going on because you haven't You've broken your commitment. So it's that relationship where you've got someone checking in with you. You belong. Someone cares. And there's an accountability there that is unspoken. That's key. There's an accountability there that's unspoken. Mm -hmm. That's very different from the energy that I get from most accountability programs. Mm -hmm. What makes this so different, Bruce? It turns out I've developed a world-first software. What is so, that? Mean? So the, the, the survey tool that we use and the reporting mechanism that we, we have built, there's nothing like it on the planet. So I'll give you an example of, of a local school here, an education system that's using the software. Okay. So they've got 450 students, some of them high-performance athletes and some are general student body. 
they've all agreed to answer six questions every morning and six questions as a daily reflection at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So between 7.30am and 9am every day, every school day, they fill out their six question survey. Mm-hmm. At five past nine in the morning, the head of the wellbeing program and those people that are reporting in that group can ex- export an Excel sheet to an Excel sheet, a result of every single person, their average score, their score for the last seven days, the score for the last month, including comments and any questions. And if they've got any, had any bad sleep or any issues that are going on, they can measure that against their performance. Wow. And then at the end of the day, and then at the end of the day, they can do a daily reflection of was today a good day for you? And so just those two things alone, they have two days, two times a day where they can do an export of a report of the whole student body and they can do an average score for the whole group per class, per student. So technology aside, my understanding of how the brain works that simple tool and commitment to use it of checking in twice a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has been written about and reported about. It is a game changer for most people just simply becoming more aware of themselves Correct. and their interaction with the world and yep. their general satisfaction with life. Yeah. So even, even the act of mindfulness of be here, be now, mm-hmm. well, that's what it is. It's stopping everything else and going, Let's stop for literally not even two minutes and answer these six questions. Boom, 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 done. Mm-hmm. Back in the pocket, off you go. The need that we have to be part of a group mm-hmm. and the need that we have for autonomy can sometimes feel in conflict. Does that come up for you all? Um. It, it's kind of an, in, well, let me try and answer it this way. There's two times that I've been the most lonely on the planet. I've been to New York by myself and I've walked down the streets. And when you're from Australia, that's 12,000 miles away. And when you're surrounded by 14 million people, but you feel all alone, it's kind of weird. So that was very, um, now I'm six foot six and I look like a policeman. So when I'm, when I was walking down the street, I was like, get out of my way. I'm a copper, you know? <laughs> so, cause I, I was in that mode, but you feel alone in that space. And then Las Vegas, I went there for a conference and all these people, there partying and everyone's together and you're there on your own and you go, Ooh, this is, it was weird. So, so that's again, the belonging, the feeling of belonging because you don't, you're there, but, you're on your own. And, and that's the only way to describe, I guess, the congruency of not belonging anywhere. Mm-hmm. I belonged in Las Vegas because I had to be there for work, but I didn't belong anywhere. No one cared if I was there or not. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it makes sense because it harks back to those two things you were missing when you were 17. Correct. Which is, you know, do I belong? Yep. And the answer was obviously no. And the second question was, did anybody care? And in that circumstance, the answer was really not, not so much. You know, yeah. granted your boss would have been upset if you didn't do your work that you were supposed to be doing. But beyond that, it sounded like you're right. It's a very lonely kind of space. So who's the most resistant 
to using this kind of technology, to, to committing, not even using the technology. We'll, we'll set that aside. Who's the most resistant to committing to check in twice a day, to, to actually do, be consistent, be accountable, be part of this effort? How do you get them to buy in? What a family. This, yeah, I, you have to understand, I have four teenage grandsons. Yeah, yeah. So the first, the first thing is trust of what are you going to do with this knowledge? Because the conversations I've had with people that are very reserved about this and they're typically hiding something and they don't want someone to know because they've had that force field up for so long and it's their safe space. And now all of a sudden there's a chance that someone's going to peek in behind it and go, what's going on in there? Um, they're the, they're the first ones and they're the obvious ones because they put their hands up or they, you know, you can actually see a reaction and they're like, Ooh, like too hard. So it, it, it comes down to, we're actually doing this to check in with you. You can be as honest as you like. Here are the six questions that we've all agreed on. Now, if you want to be dishonest about your answers on those, then we can't do anything about that. But over time, all of a sudden they might go six green faces every day and all of a sudden they put in a light green face or a yellow face because they go, yeah, I'm actually not, I didn't do that yesterday or I didn't do this. Or, And there's no judgment. It's just the, the people that are looking at this, it's all about prevention rather than cure. Yeah. Everything's yeah. prevention rather than cure. So if we can get them to break down that little wall and build the trust and know that we're in this together and we're checking in with you. And we basically put a virtual hug around them and go, this is a safe space. Then we'll get it. How do we know if they're being honest hundred percent of the time? Well, we don't, but there's, there's no tools right now and we've got the tool to help them. Got it. So you said something that caught my attention. You said the questions we've all agreed on. Mm -hmm. So are there patterns in schools versus businesses versus sports? Um, yeah, we're all human and we pretty much have the same things that we like the sport. There's, there's some sport performance ones that you want to have. How did I, how did I perform against the agreed value of this? And you do that four times. Question number five for sport is what was my level of preparation? And question number six is how much fun did I have? Regardless of the result, if you self-measure against those four agreed values, preparation and how much fun did I have, that'll give you a pretty good gauge. Um, and then the education ones and the business ones for the morning, you know, it's typical things like how did I sleep? Did I have a positive interaction yesterday? Did I, did I drink enough water yesterday? Did I make someone laugh yesterday? Things like that where it doesn't matter if you're a student or business, you are a human being. And we just want you to check in on you and you're sharing it on the app. And you can create as many questions as you want and create as many surveys as you want. So, you know, if you, if you talk about the 90 day year or the, the 90 day sprints, well, you can do what do you want to achieve at the start? And then you do a reflection and you can do a reflection at the end of each seven days. If you want to, you can do anything you want, but we start with one and then build out. Cool. All right. So I'm getting this process down and the ability to get people engaged with this. Bruce, 
you had your know, one of the worst days that a person can have when you mm-hmm. were 17. Yep. And this mission that you are on to basically prevent other people from having that experience. Yep. You know, it's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, yours was the experience of the teen. Mine was the experience of the parent of a teen. We are both out to prevent this from ever happening again. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in you can't do it wrong. You've done it in a way that embraces technology and that is focused around your areas of interest. And what's been the biggest challenge? What I found the biggest challenge right now, because Australia right now is in lockdown and, and we are in most lockdown state on the planet. We've effectively been locked down on and off for the past 18 months and still in lockdown now. So we had, um, a year, we had another year nine student from the local high school. One of the local high schools killed himself last Friday. Um, that's five in 12 months from the one school. Um, and the new employer, employees that are out there that are people in culture, what does that mean? I don't, I'm sorry, people, um, culture? They, they talk about, I actually don't know what the role is, but there's people now being employed as head of people and culture within organisations to, yeah, yeah, to, to build up culture and belonging, I guess. Oh. Um, and then there's head of HR. And there's a lot of either threat or apathy to go, if we import this software and we get everyone doing this, What's my job? Because some of the people I've spoken to go, right, you're head of well-being for this organization with 10,000 staff. What have you done this year? Well, we put out a calendar one month and we did a, we do a questionnaire every 12 weeks and we do this and we do that. So it's all busy stuff. But when you ask the question, are you able to check in on the well-being score of every one of your team every day and see that everyone's okay? They're like, squeeze me. Because, and, and so our biggest frustration right now is talking to people. It's like, this is your job. Let us show you this for 30 minutes. It will blow your head off. It Got will change it. Okay. your world. And people go, I don't believe it. That's the apathy is my biggest issue right now. All right. So, so we're going to call this uh, marketing and messaging. Yeah. Ah, okay. So this is the challenge of the world is how do you get someone's attention? How do you invoke their self-interest? especially when they're in chaos with COVID. Yeah. Well, and, and this is our life right now. So mm-hmm. if, um, if I tame an elephant in the room, the elephant would be that now's not the right time. If you knew that now was the right time, Bruce, the way to tame the elephant, who has had the most success with your app so far? Um, we've, got, we've got three big pilots happening mm-hmm. that, that have been running. One's a school, one's a sporting organization, and they're only doing it with their staff, not their coaches and, and athletes. And we've got a, a company that's listed on the New York Stock Exchange using it. Oh, so we've got three biggest facets and we're about to sign a men's health group because we've got a men's version. Yeah. They start on Wednesday 
and they're in the process of building over 200 million members. And they've already, yeah. they've already signed us up as their, they're going to be, we're going to be their wellbeing platform. So the four different channels that we've, we've built, we've now got proof of concept in each one of those. And now we're literally just rolling out and spreading the message. Got it. So your message is you can solve three problems at the same time. Community, mm -hmm. connection, mm -hmm. and consistency. Correct. Because one of the things that we lost when COVID hit was we lost the constructs that gave our lives consistent connection with people and consistency of a schedule. You know, the, the number of people who have sort of lost touch with what day of the week it is because we lost our cues and what you've created can give the cues back. And that's really, really important for me. What I'm wondering is outside of your organizations, mm -hmm. the very concepts of this, it's groundbreaking in how you are applying it and elegantly simple yep. as far as the structure of it. And I love that combination. So if you were gonna walk someone through this without the technology and just say, okay, gather your family, gather your team, come up with your six questions, what guidelines would they use? She said, some of them are just normal stuff. So I wrote down sleep, are you asking people just the, you said something about a smiley face. So it's emoticon based. Yeah. So that, so each question has um, five faces. It starts with red, sad to, to dark green, happy. And there's like orange and yellow and light green and dark green. Um, there's a chance to write a comment in. So some places say, how was your sleep? How many hours did you get? So you put six, seven, eight, nine in the comments. Um, to be honest, most people have said, guide us, you know, what are the top 20 questions mm -hmm. and like, let us choose. So we, we've built that and we, we talk to people about that, but we've also added them onto the website. So if it's the goya.life forward slash wellbeing, there's a whole bunch of questions and suggestions that you can do there. Got it. Okay. So, so we'll make sure that everybody has that because I'm interested in those top questions as well. You know, mm -hmm. what are the questions that will, that um, are getting you the proof of concept that are showing up where people are going, yeah, having somebody know this about me is really important or having yep. me know this about me. Yep. Uh, now I'm going to name an elephant in the room. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, there's there's a, a man named Marshall Goldsmith. He's an influencer on LinkedIn. I ran across his stuff years and years ago. And I started reading his books. And at one point I was doing his process. Now you notice I said at one point. And his process was a check-in system. And he said, most people do it for only two weeks. Mm -hmm. And they don't quit because it doesn't work. They quit because it does. And they just weren't prepared for change to be that easy. And I'm wondering if that's something that people are concerned about, that not that it won't work, but that it will. And it'll be something that they're just not ready for, that they could actually have 
the success that they want in their organization, on their team, you know, within their their business. The elephant um, in the room for some of us is that we're not afraid of failing. We're afraid of succeeding. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no question about that. And again, going back to the, the sporting environment that I grew up in, I realized that in the eight years that I played, at no stage during the heat of battle, as in during a game, did I get coached or taught how to do something better so next time I went back on the floor, I could work on that or be aware of it. Okay, now say that a, again. A, yeah, so, yeah, big insight. At no stage. So you're playing in this professional league, you get subbed out, and you may have made an error. At no stage did the coach walk up, put his arm around or do whatever you did then, and go, hey, you know how you tried to do this? Next time try that, or be aware of this guy doing this. Not once. In over 200 games in eight years. Wow. And I was like, yeah, yeah. So now I didn't realize that until my forties where, you know, you do a deep dive of, you know, you're embarrassed about this and you're unworthy of that and all the, the usual stuff you carry and then you unpack it and you go, holy crap. Again, part of the journey. Um, so what triggered this insight? I mean, was there some contrast that you had a different experience in some other arena? I'm really curious. Someone, someone asked me, why do I coach the way I do and I got a collection of now I, I was coached by some of the best basketball coaches in Australian basketball history. No question. But at the time that they did the best that they could do at the time. Okay. And that's the way it was done. So I've taken all those best bits and still teach half those yeah. lessons. But what I make sure I do is when someone, when someone walks into the stadium or the gym, they have to walk out better. Now it doesn't matter what that is for them, but they have, we have a rule that you must walk out better in your own way because then together we grow. Whenever I pull someone out, even if they have or haven't done something wrong, I'll be like, let's give them feedback so they walk out better. Even if it's mentally, they walk out better. And your, your, pros, your question before about are people afraid of success? Absolutely. But I think some of the issue is it's made scary because all the, the traumas that people are carrying around, they're trying to be released all at once instead of going, let's just deal with this one because there's a chain along here. And now let's deal with this one, but it's baby steps. Because when you're ready, you know, the old saying of when the student's ready, the teacher will arrive. Our thing is, hey, we're here. Now, if you're not ready for this, just do this. Now, if you answer your six questions and you don't want to be honest, but we've got you to the point where you want to check in privately once a day, we're in front. Got it. Now, if they decide not to act on that, and I can't do anything about that. Yeah. But what I can do is nudge, nudge, nudge. Oh, by the way, here's some free lessons. Not ready? Okay, they're still here. Bang, here's this. Here's a lesson that we're teaching today, and we send it out to go, Share this with your tribe if you want to. Do or you don't. The chance to influence and coach millions around the world with having never met them. Got it. It's a variation on a theme that the world could use more of with this idea that you don't have to change everything at once. 
I mean, you know, we use the elephant in the room metaphor a lot, you know, the joke, how do you eat an elephant? And it's one bite at a time. And even though we joke about it, Bruce, when it comes to like me launching my business, you know, I, it wasn't a little bit here is a little bit there. I tried to swallow the whole elephant. The same yeah. was true with the nonprofit. I hadn't learned any lessons. It was, oh, do it. I do everything. Yeah. Hmm. And yeah. Yep. So this idea of no, don't do everything. Do one thing. Yeah. And, and there's so many metaphors for that. There's a couple of things I use religiously um, when I'm coaching and then when I'm working and it's, it's the accumulation effect. So if I asked you to do 5,475 push-ups right now, you'd go, <laughs> but if I said, can you do five in the morning, five at lunchtime and five at night, you'd be like, yeah, I can do that. Cause you know, within 30 days, five is going to be a piece of cake. But if you do that every day for a year, I'm pretty sure it's 5,475. Um, but you are that much stronger. So if I'm talking to a group, I'll go, hey, who wants to walk from this East Coast to the West Coast with me? And they go, oh, we can't do that. And I said, I didn't say all at once. We're just going to take one step. So I turn in the direction and take a step. And so can everyone else join me on that? And they're like, yeah, of course, it's easy. And so I go, okay, put a marker down. We'll come back tomorrow and take another step. And then they went, oh, I said, so that's breaking down a goal. You want to do something in your sport and, and it's, you know, let's not call it the 10,000 hour rule. Let's call it the 20 hour rule because then you're proficient. So practice something for 20 hours and it's been proven that it doesn't matter what it is, golf, music, singing, blah, blah, blah. Measure it for 20 hours and do 10 minutes at a time. Okay, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You just, you just, there's a myth busting happening in my head. Okay, because yeah. you said forget about the 10,000 rule and I know there's a lot of controversy around the 10,000 hour rule anyway. But 20 hours in yeah, 10 so, minute increments? So there's... There's a book and I'm pretty sure it's called the 20 hour rule. Okay. Um, but basically what it is, is the concept of if you want to become proficient at something mm -hmm. and good enough, do it for 20 hours. If you want to become an expert, you've got to do it for 10,000. Now, most people don't want to become the expert and don't have the time or the inclination for 10,000 hours because that's a lifetime. Whereas if I want to teach you how to spin the ball on your finger, Mm -hmm. If you've never done it before, then I'll show you the tricks and I'll say, set a timer for five minutes, which is a long time when you're trying to do it. And then come back again tomorrow and do five minutes and do it all the time till you get to 20 hours. You can't help but succeed. Now I've broken down shooting a basketball. I can teach anyone on the planet to shoot a ball proficiently in 18 minutes. 18 wow. minutes. I've done it in over 10 years in seven countries even through interpreters in the Middle East, from kids that have never played before to adults, from eight-year-olds to professionals, it's never failed. The secret is when I show you how to do that and you feel that success, your job now is 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes for 20 hours. Now do it, great. Don't do it, not my problem. I've given you the tool. Got That's it. the secret. Do you have the discipline to do the 20 hours. You might get to 10 and go, hey, I'm pretty good at this. Do the next 10. That's the magic. That's the magic. Okay. There are um, a lot of parts of the brain that um, 
start kicking up. I call this the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's too simple. Mm-hmm. It's 10 minutes. Yeah, but it's 10 minutes until it adds up to 20 hours. That's a lot of sessions. Yeah, that's that's like, oh my God, I'd have to be consistent. 10 minutes is a long time. Yeah, it can be. The rest of the three. Yeah, there we go. 10 minutes can be a very long time. I, I used to teach how to sell in seven minutes or less, how to deliver a message that matters in seven minutes. Yep. And we know you can start a movement in seven minutes because it was my daughter's seven minute talk that mm-hmm. launched the whole teen suicide prevention movement. If we apply that to our lives, that if there's something we want to get better at, we are willing to simply engage with it for 10 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to have to have you come back because I'm going to put a challenge out to everyone to do a daily check-in in the morning and in the evening and do it every day, five minutes morning, five minutes evening. That's 10 minutes until we have 20 hours. And Bruce, I will set up some way for them to check in until we figure out a way to maybe bring their app into the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. Mm -hmm. I think until then, we'll just engage the community with the great experiment and see what kind of mindset shift we can create in doing something so simple. I can actually give you a a drill to do that. Oh, that would be awesome. So if, if we start a 21-day gratitude journal mm-hmm. and you've got to write down three things every day for 21 days in a row and you're not allowed to repeat anything. Got it. Three new things. Now, science has proven that between day 15 and 18, there'll be a positive mindset shift. You can't avoid it because you have to read through all those things and your brain goes, success, 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 success. It's really hard to say over and over. Um <laughs> And then by day 15 to 18, it, that, that's what happens. So when, when we're doing a demo, there's two things we talk about. It's the well-being stuff and then start your own gratitude journal. doesn't matter what you walk of life. That's what we do. There we go. So Katie took time to chat that up. Your mm-hmm. link for your gift is amazing. All right. So that's already in here. So people can find their life, life purpose easily and fast. And that's been a controversial topic in this season and, um, mm-hmm. So we will have a good time with that. And then Bruce, we will follow up and get you back on again. Is that all right? Absolutely. I'd love to. All right. So there we go. So Bruce, thank you for being willing to share your story and for being part of this journey. You're most welcome. I appreciate you. You're most welcome. Right back at you, my friend. Thank you for doing what you're doing.